I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and our pal Hank Wellman is back. Hi, Hank. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for coming back to the show. Now, of course, the first, oh, time, you were, the first time you were here, uh, we were talked about 1971's George Jackson, one, uh, a very obscure song in the Dylan canon, one of his protest songs. I'm putting that in air quotes. Uh, for this episode, mm-hmm. we're going back a few years, and we're going to go all the way back to 1964 to talk about the Another Side of Bob Dylan album, which was really the first sort of non-protesty album that Dylan had done in his career. And the song in question is, I Don't Believe You, She Acts Like We Never Have Met. And the latter part yeah. of that song is in parentheses. So I know you're in good hands if, if your song title has some parentheses in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we get to the specific song, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, about the album from which it appears because we have yet to cover any songs yeah. off this record this is the first time in fact you were the one who, who mentioned it that you said if you ever want to talk about something from another side uh, we should do it I was like, absolutely so uh, another side of Bob Dylan is unique in that the entire album was recorded in one night uh, which I guess to, to modern music listeners nowadays where albums take months if not years to make it seems inconceivable yeah. that a major recording artist would put out an entire album recorded in a single night, but that was the intention all along. Bob and his producer, Tom Wilson, uh, apparently lubricated with some Beaujolais, decided they're going to cut the entire record in one night, and they did. Dylan, this is just an acoustic album, not just, but there's no other uh, musicians here. It's just Bob singing acoustic songs, but the entire album done in one night. It's pretty remarkable. June 9th, 1964. You know, I mean, imagine the, the, the <laughs> concentration that has to, to take to record an entire album of songs. Now, I will argue there are some songs on this record that are, you know, I would argue not that great. Uh, <laughs> some songs that are probably uh, filler, uh, as fun as they might be, like, say, Motorcycle, Motorcycle Nightmare. Um, there's one song, mm-hmm. in, there's one song in here called a ballad in plain D, which I would yes, flat yes. out argue is a bad song. Is it a bad Bob Dylan song? Even he himself, uh, apparently later, many years later said, I must've been a real asshole to put that one on the album. So there's some, yeah, <laughs> there's some not great ones, I mean, you know, so, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that's the thing though. The fact that it was, it's kind of a snapshot of where Bob was on that night. Apparently in April of that year, he'd broken up with his girlfriend. In May of that year, he'd uh, gone to Europe to play some dates, wrote a lot of these songs, and they, for the first time, yeah, songs were dealing with relationships and stuff like that that was not really part of the whole folk ethos, I guess. These songs are all pointed inward as opposed to being protests about, you know, current events and stuff. Yeah, and I guess somebody, I always wondered about the Columbia marketing spitball session where they came up with the title. I think he's gone on record as saying he didn't like the title. Yeah, it's a terrible title. And, well, yeah, it's that's the whole thing. I kind of think that this is sort of the Jan Brady of Bob Dylan records. It's right in the middle of that classic period. It's, you know, his most celebrated era and everything, and there's some brilliant stuff on it, but 
it just doesn't get the kind of love that uh, the albums that came before and after it do. Nevertheless, it has anyway. some amazing songs on it. I mean, it's got oh. it, it, it's got "It Ain't Me, Babe," which became one of the you know standard of the, mm-hmm. the Dylan canon. "My Back Pages," "To Ramona," which is a beautiful song, "Chimes of Freedom," which is a really a, a, amazing song, "Spanish Harlem Incident," "All I Really yeah. Want to Do." I mean, so there's a lot of great songs on here. It's just there's a couple of of ones that 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 drag it down a little and also just again when you know that he recorded it all in one night you kind of think well maybe you could have given this a second pass and and in fact there are some songs that were left off this album uh including oh yeah mama you've been on my mind which is an amazing mm-hmm. song and and, and uh, despite it being an outtake it's a song that dylan himself has never quite ever abandoned he still sings it in concert every so often and uh he attempted a mr tambourine man he had had that written by this point he didn't quite yeah. get it right the version that he wanted but nevertheless it was attempted for this record so there was some other things laying around that that could have been done but but that's this is the record we have and i agree that the another side of bob dylan is just a, a terrible title it's got it's just so cutesy I, just the timing too this was just a few months after the whole beatles thing had started and uh i think columbia columbia was glad to have him kind of move away from the folk thing a little bit and get more well about as pop as he would get and uh I don't know if that's what he was thinking, but that's what they were trying to promote anyway. Um, he was doing it, like I said, the song, I Don't Believe You, is kind of a relationship song, but it's not the kind of thing the Beatles would uh, come up with. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's simultaneously uh, bitter, but also lighthearted. Uh, I mean, and it's you can almost hear with the way Dylan sings it, like he's in love with his own rhyme schemes, because there's some really clever wordplay in this. I mean, it opens up, uh, it starts with him saying, I can't understand she let go of my hand and left me here facing the wall. I should like to know why did she go, but I can't close. To, I can't get close to her at all. Though we kissed through the wild blazing nighttime, she said she would never forget. But now morning is clear. It's like I ain't here. She just acts like we never met. And then continues, it's all new to me, like some mystery. It couldn't even be like a myth. Yet it's hard to think on that she's the same one that last night I was with. From darkness, dreams are deserted. Am I still dreaming yet? I wish she'd unlock her voice once and talk instead of acting like we never met. So it's 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 a really I like the melody and her, her the harmonica parts are great. And like I said I love the way the rhymes mm-hmm. fall. So it's it's kind of a fun song. But yet if you listen to the words, it's you know it's a guy that's been frozen out by his woman and he's angry at her and he can't figure out why. And as the song sort of escalates, the character goes from sort of unknowing and understanding what's happening to becoming bitter bitter himself and deciding to sort of turn that on the next person that he might meet. So it's it's really got the got very weird mix here. Yeah, it's kind of like what he would do uh, later on in songs like Tangled Up in Blue. It's like he's talking about, he's well, he's scrambling up his, his pronouns to where it's like, okay, who's he talking about? Who's, you know, who's the subject of the sentence? Uh, it's just... Uh, even in the title of the song, it's "I don't believe you," but then it's like she acts like we never have met. I mean, it's right. that Who's kind he talking of to? Yeah. ambiguity of uh, you know that you can read this in any number of different ways. As far as you know, he's describing this circumstance, uh, but how he feels about it, he seems to be going through the gamut of emotions here. At one point during the song, he actually starts to laugh when he comes back from one of the one of the harmonica breaks. Yeah. He starts to break up. So clearly. 
uh, he, you know, while he may have been feeling the emotions of the song when he wrote it, when he was performing it, he obviously had a little more emotional distance because he's not taking it terribly seriously because he, he almost has to stop himself from, from laughing and completely, I think, losing the thread of the song. And that was the thing. And it, he was criticized for that. Uh, in one review I saw somewhere, but now that you've got these copyright extension collections that have come out, there's a couple of alternate takes of the song, and that was something that was he meant to do that. I mean, he does that in the other two takes, so it wasn't like a you know accident that they just left in. He he meant to do that. Hmm. He continues <laughs> on. The song goes on. He says, "If she ain't feeling well, then why don't she tell?" Said, "Turning her back to my face, without any doubt, she seems too far out for me to return to or chase." Through the night rain swirling and whirling, I remember her whispering yet, but evidently she don't, and evidently she won't. She just acts like we never met. I love that don't and won't bit. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if I didn't have to guess, I gladly confess to anything I might have tried. If I was with her too long or have done something wrong, I wish she'd tell me what it is, I'll run and hide. Though her skirt had swayed as a guitar played, her mouth was watery and wet, but now something has changed, for she ain't the same. She just acts like we never met. And then he ends with, I'm leaving today. I'll be on my way. Of this, I can't say very much. But if you want me to, I can be just like you and pretend that we never have touched. And if anybody asks me, is it easy to forget? I'll say it's easily done. You just pick anyone and pretend that you never have met. So it's like a real nasty end to the song. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty arrogant. Um, yeah, I, and the thing is, though, he didn't quite sing it that way in the album. I don't know if you noticed that. He, he kind of transposed a couple of the verses. It's not significant. But then later on when he did it live and turned it really into a completely different song, at least at least musically, uh, I think he drops, I had it in my notes, he dropped some of these uh, uh, words altogether. I think the second verse, maybe. Yeah, he does anyway, change it up but, a bit. You mentioned the outtake, and I, I've heard one of the outtakes, which is much slower. Uh, I'm glad that this is the one on the record is the one that he went with, because that's that's one of my problems with another side as a record, is that to me some of the performances mm-hmm. are just so slow. They're just so kind of, I don't know, like a little turgid almost. They're just kind of like, and they just kind of plot along. I love the words, but I just some of the performances are, are just, to me, just kind of meandering. And this one is, to me, very tight musically, and I like it a lot. So I'm glad that the outtake is the, was the outtake, that it's not the one that ends up on the record. And then you mentioned the electric version. Uh, if you go to YouTube, you can hear one that he recorded with the band, which is really cranked yeah. up. Electric wise, mm-hmm. and it's that's great. I really like that version. It's a lot of it's got a great guitar part where it's like stabbing at the words behind it. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, that was, I mean, that that's almost like uh, the confession time because I mean, I heard Biograph before I ever heard another side of Bob Dylan. So the first version I heard, I had kind of the opposite experience. I heard the band's version, which is a quite a different arrangement, and then when I finally heard the really the acoustic version i said well is that the same song you know i had to go back and do that thing and i didn't have mp3 so i had to take one cd out put the other cd in and do all that but um uh yeah he i don't know it's if that's a sign that he wasn't satisfied with the acoustic version or not i know the uh the more recent times he's done it uh from the never ending tour it tends to reflect that arrangement that he came up with with uh the band and um also, the last waltz, uh, they did this song too. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, and, that's again, that's an odd, an odd one to to pick for the last waltz. Yeah, I, I just the thing is though, I, I mean, I, I like the band, but this, yeah, it's, it very much sounds like 
I mean, that well, it is the band. I mean, they were known as the Hawks then, but yeah, it's kind of got their, you know, the, the keyboard work in it and everything, and all it needs is um, like the, the falsetto uh, harmonies, I guess, in the background. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, it was they, and that's a weird thing. You talk about, you know, this song is up tempo. They actually slowed it down uh, for the live version, and it. You know, it was that 66 tour where I guess audiences weren't prepared to hear music that didn't sound like the original record and showed up basically to boo him. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I don't know how outrageous it was to, to remake, for him to remake his own song as much as he did, but that was the thing. He, uh, I'm almost, it's almost like early Led Zeppelin. I mean, he took it and he slowed it down and they played up the beat and, you know, really made it driving like that. I don't want to say that Bob Dylan invented heavy metal, but it was <laughs> quite a radical, you know, makeover of the original version, which has, has really has a completely separate melody. I'm not familiar with uh, how much musicians did that back then, at least like sort of popular rock musicians. But nowadays, we're just used to hearing alternate versions of songs. But man, you've you watched some of the documentaries from the time, whether it's like Eat the Document or don't look back and some of the audience responses that uh, they had to when he changed up his songs in concert, boy, some of these people got really mad. I mean, really, really mad. Uh, as, oh, especially if you watch the uh, no direction home. I mean, you talk about somebody issued a death threat uh, because of this stuff. And it's just like, you know, nowadays it seems ridiculous. You know, like what's everybody so upset about? So what? He t- took a acoustic song and made it electric. Why is that such a thing? But back then, boy, that, he was really pissing people off. And I, I can't imagine the nerve it takes to go on stage and actively give an audience something it doesn't want. That's uh, That takes some some real chutzpah. Yeah, and they, he played it every night. I mean, they've got that box. They pretty much stuck to that same set list for however many weeks they were touring uh, Australia and Europe. So <laughs> he dug his heels in, that's for sure. <laughs> As as, and, as he tends to do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dylan's kind of made a career out of not quite living up to everybody's expectations for him. But uh, the song has never really left his repertoire. He's performed it 349 times, which uh, compared to a lot of other Dylan songs, not a lot compared to like you know Watchtower or Rolling Stones, not a lot. But if you look at the dates. There's no, there's no big gap where he dropped it for a bunch of years. I mean, it, he pretty much was like mm-hmm. 64, 66, 75. So, I mean, he's played it multiple times across every decade. He hasn't played it since 2013, which is actually one of the longest gaps uh, so far. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not super obscure, but it's also not one you generally are going to hear a lot. I can understand that maybe the older Dylan doesn't have a lot of connection to it. Because, as you mentioned, he had just broken up with his girlfriend, Suze Rotolo, and a lot of these mm-hmm. songs are kind of about that. I mean, Bowed in Plain D is about Suze Rotolo and his sister, who he blamed for yeah. breaking the two of them up. And he, like, name, you know, like, name checks are in the song, which, <laughs> like, you wonder about the legality of that even. But, uh, but so, yeah, this, this is a song that he's never fully dropped. I'd love to hear I've never heard him. I've never been at a concert where he's done it live. I'd love to hear it because, I said, I think this is a – a really fun song to listen to despite the bitterness of it. But I mean, who hasn't experienced that? I guess at some point the the, the idea that, you know, you would love to be able to uh, give a kiss off to somebody that has given a kiss off to you. So, I mean, it he's tapping into a yeah. basic human emotion, even if it isn't a particularly pretty one. But I kind of, like I said, I can really dig into these lyrics and just wonder about a lot of this stuff. I mean, 
to a certain extent, this is really kind of written by the young Dylan. He's got lines here like, it's all new to me as far as, mm-hmm. you know, women in relationships go. So this is, you know, it's kind of like what's kind of neat about just the album itself, how it all just is that kind of that snapshot of where he was uh, that one night in 1964. I guess the one thing he, in the, let's see, Blue Lake Series Volume 6, which is late 1964, he played a concert. And he actually said before the, performing the song, he says, this is about all the people that say they've never seen you. And he says, I'm sure that everybody has met somebody that swears they've never seen him. And then this is the amazing part. I mean, listening today, he actually apparently just leans over and says to somebody in the front row, says, hi. And he says, I never saw him. And um, <laughs> to hear Dylan engage with the audience at all is just, I mean, my wife and I went to uh, one of his shows five years ago, but... We we didn't actually see him. He kept the entire stage uh, just lit in shadow, so we heard him, but we didn't see him. And just to, I, you know, I guess I felt bad for my wife because I'd seen him once before. Where I actually got to view him, but anyway, just to hear him at age 23, I would guess, uh, just chatting with people in the front row is uh, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing to think yeah. of. Yeah. I've I've read some mo- some bits in books here and there where they talk about some random night where he got he obviously had a wild hair and interacted with somebody or when uh, there was like a I remember reading a thing where he talked about there was some song that he forgot the words to and a woman in the front row mm-hmm. said oh I know the words and so she started singing the song <laughs> he got her to sing the song and then that got mm-hmm. that got him started I'm like oh my god <laughs> once in a lifetime things I've never seen him really yeah. ever interact that much the most i ever have is i saw him one time in 1995 where he was obviously in a good mood because he was telling uh jokes he was doing those dad jokes that he likes but they're all puns and stuff and that was the one and, and you even had his drummer which at the time was uh winston watson uh, doing rim mm-hmm. shots uh, after the jokes and I, <laughs> I, I i i went with my pal dan eaker who has been on the show and him and i looked at each other like what are we hearing what's happening like why is bob dylan telling dad jokes and so that was like the the, the weirdest he ever was most of the time he's just kind of up there he sings the songs he stands there gets the applause and then he disappears but yeah the young dylan was much more kind of uh, yeah, obviously willing to kind of like engage with the audience yeah and that's where i kind of maybe i'm kind of going off on some crazy personal theory but i'll disclaim it as a crazy personal theory but later you know songs like you know there were skirted sweaty as a guitar played suddenly i'm wondering okay well wait a minute she's who's playing the guitar and then it's like is this something it's almost like i'm suddenly seeing things through his eyes he's in some small club somewhere he's playing and he's suddenly out of the corner of his eyes he sees his swaying skirt and you know, suddenly he's thinking he may have this connection with this girl, but he really doesn't have any kind of emotional connection. It's no. just this musical thing, and it's all new to him, and it's a mystery, and he's just kind of, I don't know if that inspired it or not, but I can just, uh, I don't know. I just it, it just puts me in that whole, I guess, that coffeehouse era of his career. It really kind of makes me see things, maybe my idealistic view of, how everything went through his eyes, but it's a weird, you know, he, you know, and what was the other line here? Uh, she like, Oh man, it left me here facing the wall. I mean, is that what she went home and he's left on stage looking at nothing? I don't know. It's, uh, you can read this stuff into it. And I, obviously I'm 
can't say I'm right, but this is this is the stuff I really like to dig into with some of these lyrics. Well, this is the show for reading into things. I mean, that's but but you're right. It does. I mean, it sounds the the lyrics sound very non-specific and expansive. But then you get in, you dig into a couple of the lines, and you're right to talk about facing the wall and uh, suede as the guitar played. It does make you conjure up in your head like a particular night like there was a night where he was on stage and that was the night that this particular girl d- decided to to give him the kiss off you know and maybe did it yeah. in front of, and she did it in front of a bunch of people and he's embarrassed you know and so now he's kind of like getting getting his revenge by singing this song but yeah and I, I can see yeah i can totally picture that from some of the lines here that that he's talking about one night where all of this went down and then maybe even the next morning, yep. he talks about, I'm leaving today, I'll be on my way. He's like, okay, I'm in town, this girl dumped me, I'm out of here, and I'm not going to let this happen to me again, because I'm going to be the one who does the dumping next time. You know, like, I'm yeah. learning the wrong lesson from it, but that's kind of what's <laughs> going on in the song, is that I, you know, I was treated like crap, so now I'm going to treat somebody like crap. I go, well, okay, if that's the lesson you're taking from it, I guess. Well, I think the thing that comes through in these lyrics, even though I can't really pinpoint where, is that, yeah, this was apparently a, a physical relationship, but not an emotional one, as far as, you know, her mouth was watery and wet, and uh, this is about as erotic as, as Dylan gets, I guess, as far as... Uh, letting you know what kind of relationship this was. But at the same time, uh, unlock her voice once and talk. <laughs> I mean, there's that distance, even though that, uh, again, they obviously seem to have had some sort of physical connection. Yeah, it's just that it's a, it's, it doesn't sound like he's putting a whole ton of effort into it necessarily, but it's that's, I think, part of the the genius of him that he can make it sound like it's not a whole lot of effort when it probably really was, you know, I mean, this, Mm -hmm. again, I love the rhyme scheme. I love sort of the shallow rhymes is that it's, it's the, the, the way the, the rhymes sort of pile up on top of each other and it moves very quickly. And like I said, I think the outtake is inferior and that it's just, it's just much slower. This one's just uh, more fun to listen to and the melody is pretty and the set and the harmonic is good. So it's a good song. It's a good song. And uh, it's an interesting album uh an interesting experiment to record an entire album in one go and see how that works for you You know he would never do that again he would get close but uh yeah even even when he would return to his all acoustic albums he didn't do it all in one day so this was unique in the in the dylan canna but apparently columbia records was pretty on him to have quote unquote new products to push uh so (laughs) (laughs) those romantic fellows over there at uh, columbia records but uh, I mean, yeah, the, the record ended up, you know, adding a lot to his legend because there's a lot of popular songs on there. I, I did also one thing I discovered when I was just trying to gather notes for this, because um, I, I, I again, yeah, I was sort of thought of the another side version as being sounding almost like a demo compared to the the version with the band, and yet I came across, I guess, Glenn Campbell. I don't know what year he did this, but he did a cover version of it with one of those. Uh, you know, those Nashville session place players and everything, and it's got the original original melody and everything. And uh, what are, I don't, I'm not a huge Glenn Campbell fan, but Glenn really nailed it. He really just you know gave the song all the drama and uh, gravitas that uh, <laughs> it didn't. You know, Dylan. You know, when Dylan was giggling and everything, it didn't quite have. So I don't know if that. I'll have to search for that. That sounds interesting. Uh, the one cover I wanted to mention is uh, there is one out there oh. by um, by Al Stewart, who did uh, Year of the Cat. He was a Time Passages, a big sort of seventies act, and that's you can oh, okay. yeah you can listen to that on YouTube. It's nice. It's it's very mellow. Al Stewart's voice was very mellow. It doesn't have that bitterness that the Dylan one has. 
Uh, and then, ironically yeah. enough, Al Stewart would release an album called Modern Times in 1975. So <laughs> it, oh, it, all, it all winds back around. Yeah, Glenn Campbell's version has one of those late 60s Nashville string ses- uh, sections in the background. It's like I said, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy. Interesting. I have to look up Al Stewart because yeah, I hadn't, I really didn't see where there were a lot of cover versions of this song, so I have to look that one up. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. I listened to it. I was like, yeah, it was nice. I, I I'm again, I'm familiar. I he was one of those uh, voices on. He was like a radio staple when I was a kid growing up, Al Stewart. So I was really familiar with that kind of uh, mm-hmm. soft melodic voice and so it was weird to hear him sing these bitter lyrics out of a very mellow voice but so yeah you can give it a, give it a, give, give it a spin it's interesting to listen to so so uh, anyway that's uh, that is uh, I don't believe you she acts like we never have met I'm glad we finally got around to doing uh, a song from another side because again it's we've we're 63 and plus episodes in and we haven't gotten re- gotten to that record yet so Hank, thank you so much for coming back to the show. I appreciate it. Oh, it's it's great to talk to you. Um, just thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And, of course, if you want to listen to all the back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Click the show tab, and you'll find all the back episodes of Pod Dylan. And we're always talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, uh, we will see you later. Bye. I can't understand She let go of my hand And left me here facing the wall I'd sure like to know Why she did go But I can't get close to her at all Though we kissed through the wild Blazing that time She said she would never forget But now morning is clear It's like I ain't here She acts like we never met It's all new to me Like some mystery It could even be like a myth But it's hard to think on That she's the same one That last night I was with From darkness dreams I deserted Am I still dreaming yet? I wish she'd unlock her voice once and talks That acting like we never met